The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the May 22nd edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Getting ready to talk some rookie and sophomore trends. And a little bit of underrated players in fantasy or guys that we may want to rate higher next year. Uh, I'm going to be banging this out solo. I had a little bit of a technical issue earlier with Jonas. I have his notes, so I will do my Jonas impersonation and um, spit out his thoughts on some of the guys he wanted to talk about here. Um, So yeah, if you listen to the Monday pod, the Last Dance pod, the last Last Dance pod was Steve. Which, by the way, I love doing. It was a lot of fun for me, and I really appreciate you guys even listening to that because it's really just I'm so such a fantasy analyst, and I pride myself on that so much. It was cool that even a couple people gave me some positive feedback on that, so that meant a lot to me. So, shouts to you guys. But um, yeah, so like I said at the end of it, I was talking a lot about how how like, guys who were slow starters kind of picked it up later. So you know, it's kind of a, a take, and I wanted to research a little bit, so I did. So what I did was I looked up. You know, I, I put together the you know top seven or eight guys in minutes for rookies that year. So I got about seventy guys since twenty thirteen. Yeah, since twenty thirteen, and I wanted to see how they did in the first half of the rookie year in nine cat, second half of the rookie year in nine cat, first half of their second season, and then second half of their second season, and kind of see the progression on how they were doing in nine cat and seeing if we could spot any trends. So one thing we kind of knew. That is, is pretty much widely known is that younger bigs in fantasy tend to have earlier success, and that is for sure the case. Uh, that was probably my biggest takeaway. And we always say that like drafting younger bigs late is really the way to go. Even young guards just weather the storm; they're going to be bad. But um, yeah, so if you look at the guys over the last uh, eight seasons, uh, that's including this one, the best players for their first half of their rookie season. Were Cat at 21, DeAndre Ayton 26, AD 33, Chris Stapps 33, Embiid 47. This is 41 games. This is basically the midway mark. So some teams will play 38, some will play 43. Just basically three months in and then three months after that point. So it's not the all-star break, just to clarify that. So Donovan Mitchell, Tatum, Jaron Jackson, Michael Carter-Williams, the rookie year. He was obviously really good. Dame, Markin, and Ben Simmons. Luca, Lonzo, John Collins, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, no, and then Jokic. Also, Kuzma, Beal are in that group. So, like, there's some bad names on here. But, I mean, besides Michael Carter-Williams, which is all about opportunity, he was a good steals guy uh, at the time. Like, there's a pretty good correlation between not only the bigs, but all those names, really, besides marketing is struggling, they're all, like, big-time names, man. Like, all those dudes besides marketing are and Lonzo, you know, uh, who is potentially a, a fourth-rounder now if you're punting, um, those guys are all good. So it struck me to see so many guys just dominate uh, early on in their careers in relation to some of their other counterparts. Um, like Bradley Beal was still usable in the first half of his rookie season, even with Wall. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, even Shea was decent. 
So um, I saw. I thought that was really interesting to see. Like Bagley was not good. Trey was horrible. Talk about him. Obviously Giannis. He was basically like a college player coming in, so he wasn't really ready. Uh, Sabonis was bad to start out, which is a little bit of a surprise. Um, Devin Booker was terrible as well, which again, these high volume, these guys who make impact on offense have to be, you know, have to make shots. Uh, and that's the key. That's why so many guards will be bad because they're going to pull you down in field goal percentage. They're not going to have the counting stats and the assists and the steals and all that most of the time. So yeah, that was a, um, pretty much confirmed what we all thought. Um, and then what brought me to doing this was Trey Young. And I was just fascinated. Well, Luca's efficiency really improved. From the first half to the second half, but like the other stuff didn't really improve, so it didn't really show up. So really, of all the guys, like probably about seventy guys here, um, Luca. I'm sorry, uh, Trey is the only guy to go from outside of top two hundred value in his first forty-ish uh, games to being usable after that, to where he he rose to what was he? He was in like the um, there he is. Uh, he was a uh, 51 in the second half of his rookie season per game nine cap for a point guard that's excellent uh, and we saw that's why if you listen to the pods last summer I was talking about Trey Young all day that's why because second half he turned it on and then again another leap to being 26 in the first 40th games of this of this second season for him so again super rare to be outside of top 200 being earliest round value in the second half and then being you know arguably a first rounder um, at this point of the season. Uh, in his second season, so that that was just rare. And again, this this proves to me how much more I want to draft Trey. I mean, this guy is ahead of the curve already. He's already doing things that aren't being done. So yeah, like I said, I, I don't like if if things are go sideways with the Rockets and we don't trust James Harden for whatever reason. Like you could seriously make a case for Trey. And I've said this before. If you tell me I take Trey and you guarantee me I get Bam and Jonathan Isaac, that's like my perfect way to start. Um, um, I prefer Harden, but yeah, like if I had to make that trade off where I'm taking Trey and I get those two guys in my next two rounds, like all day, um, I mean, it's just the perfect combination for starting at your team. So yeah, that really struck me, uh, as guys that stuck out. And then the, the second half of rookie seasons, uh, cat just beasted like cat was, you know, a number eight as a rookie in the second half. I mean, that's just not really heard of, uh, and bead was number nine, but he only had, I think four games. Because he was hurt, if you remember. Uh, then Nerwin's the well kind of came out of nowhere. He's like, again, so many bigs here, right? Um, Anthony Davis was 21. Mitchell Robinson, we saw him really get a lot of hype because of his second half with the blocks numbers. Ben Simmons was terrific. Nikola Jokic climbed into top 40-ish value. Uh, Dame was really good second half of rookie season. Again, all these guys are great. Um, surprisingly, there were some guys who were like bad who jumped up out of nowhere. Jordan Clarkson was horrible. Uh, and then he became good at 74 second half of his season. So that was kind of interesting to see. And a lot of other guys, like like if you remember Miles Turner in his second season, I was really high on him because he had such a great second half. And he turned it into, he was you know number 20 in the second half of his second season, number 30 in the second half of his second season. So that big jump as a big man um, really struck me as, you know, it wasn't purely opportunity-based. Like, say, like Yogi Ferrell, for instance, he was not worth using, and then he was worth using because you know he found a role he's making shots and remember how he started out with Mavericks he's doing really well but it was really cool to see that so um yeah and I guess if you want to kind of finish this up like I, I honestly this is just totally me nerding out <laughs> to see I, I just I'm weird <laughs> so I want to see how these guys did 
Uh, and yeah, like I mentioned, like I mentioned, Luca was 86 and 114 and 11. Like that was not expected. Everyone who, myself, pretty much everyone except Steve, were all like, yeah, not really buying Luca after the fade. Uh, again, check out deep dives. I just put out Luca on Thursday. Um, if, if you missed it, I'm kind of I'm interested, but I'm probably winning other guys unless I really need a point guard late. But um, yeah, that was really cool to see. Um, but yeah, there's uh, like. And then the other uh, other trend I saw was guys were like who were trending up. They're all generally pretty fantasy friendly. Like Oladipo improved in each part of that. Uh, Shea improved in each part of that. You know, Shea was obviously tremendous. We're gonna talk about him in a second. But yeah, it was really cool. Um, and, but there's are there are outlier, outliers too. Like Jaron Jackson Jr. We talked about this before. His block rate continues to fall. Um, his rookie season not the case this year. He flipped it, you know. He was kind of so-so to start, and then really, really got hot in December and January before he got hurt. But yeah, um, again, just really cool. Uh, I'll probably talk about this kind of here and there. And if you want to know who had like the better rookie increases, uh, I mentioned uh, Josh Richardson twice. Uh, he was better in the second half. You remember he was kind of a league winner that one year, where he was I think third rounder of his last twenty-ish games or so. So that's really weighted it. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. Um, like it's kind of a maybe I'll tweet out the the data. Just a lot of numbers and some some slopes and stuff, and it's pretty cool. I'm trying to up my Excel game this year, guys. I'm making the most of quarantine. So so we're gonna talk a little underrated players. Um, we I was uh, I, I kind of lent it to Jonas, who again I wish he was on to kind of help me out, but uh, I have uh, we were pretty much in agreement on guys. Who we want to take. So uh, whenever I hear underrated in fantasy, it's always kind of hard to like, to me, it's kind of hard to say that because fantasy is numbers. And if a guy is ranked 10th in fantasy, he is 10th in fantasy. So when I think of underrated, I think of guys who maybe are better fits in certain styles of teams. So like a guy like say, like Drew Holiday, for instance, He's just so great to build. If he, if he made his free throws um, this year, like if he made his free throws, it's just he doesn't hurt you really anywhere. He helps you in the hard categories. So you rather have guys that are good in assists, good in steals, good in blocks, shoot the ball well, you know, not terrible on rebounds, uh, add a little threes here and there. But points, I don't really care, man. I mean, I can pick up off the waiver wire a guy I think is gonna, you know, a guy who plays the Wizards or a guy you know who plays the Hawks in a good position or. Anything um, where I think that they could, sh- I could stream them in a good situation, stream back to backs and get points. So keep up good percentages. So again, I always say this: points and rebounds are just highly, highly overrated in fantasy, and you know people love drafting them, and rightfully so, especially if they're efficient and they're high volume. They're going to give you tremendous value. But just building your roster the way you want um, is super valuable. So uh, he had put down Cam Reddish, a guy who I would certainly, if you listen to the podcast. You probably wouldn't call him underrated because he's probably one of the top ten players we talk about. Maybe even top two or three uh, players we talked about um, just outside of the the big dogs uh, because he was awesome. Went from horrible to being good, uh, as Jonas Jonas pointed out. Seventy fifth and nine cat over his last ten. 16-4, 1.3 steals, two point one triples, fifty percent from the field. So his steals kind of picked up a little bit, and so I looked into that. Um, he was getting about you know 60% of his steals were off bad passes, 
Um, you know, a lot of on-ball steals, stuff like that. But then when he got hot here, it was interesting. Ten of his last 11 steals were off bad pass turnovers, which is insanely high. So that was cool to see. Uh, he led the league. I'm sorry, he led his team, excuse me, in net rating over those last 10, plus 4.3 net rating. We talked a lot about the core five lineup a few times on this pod. You know, faster than the fastest team in the Bucks, more productive on offense per possession than the number one ranked Mavericks. I mean, this, this offense is just, just oozing with fantasy value. The whole group could be valuable. Kevin Herter, Trey, uh, even DeAndre Hunter got hot late. Obviously, John Collins was first-rounder. Uh, and again, we talked about him before where he's just, we talked about the Hawks in the whole last pod, so don't want to spend too much time on them. But yeah, um, definitely all about it. Uh, Cam went from being total trash to being excellent as a shooter. Um, started out the season 8 of 45 on jumpers, 18%, uh, expanding out a little bit more, 18 of 82 on his jumpers to start his, his career, 27.4. Uh, and then you fast forward to his last 13. You know, he was knocking down 62 EFG, which is really, really good number on 93 shots. That's good volume. So, dug even deeper on that. Um, wide open was the key. So, the first 13 games, he had a 19.6 effective field goal percentage on wide open shots. Now, that's her, that's disaster. But, uh, in his last 13 games, he increased it um, big time uh, to 63. So, he tripled. Uh, his effective field goal percentage um, when he was wide open to finish up the season over his last 13 games. Um, also, just catch and shoot really blossomed. He was almost 50% uh, on overall catch and shoot shots. So that was big time for him. Um, yeah, I, I'm totally sold. Um, I Like I, I've been saying, stardom, you know, let, her, let Herter come off the bench. Uh, all about that. And so he also had Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who, again, if you know me, he I will never call him underrated. Um, he is, um, him and Bam, uh, they're, they're just so easy to pick, man. Um, just And Bam missing free throws did hurt you a little bit, but Shea is, I always compare guys to early Kawhi, you know. Just good percentages, a little bit of defense. Obviously, Kawhi's a little bit more defense, but Shea is just so far ahead of his time, man, and... My favorite stat on him was his last 36 games. He had a 56 effective field goal percentage on pull-ups. That's the highest in the league uh, among the top 69 qualifiers. Nice. Um, just ahead of Dane by 0.1%. Um, yeah, 58% on pull-up twos is a really good number. Probably one of the tops in the league. Uh, also 64 EFG, which is a pretty good number. Put some top 15, 20-ish uh, on catch, catch and shoot. Um, so he's just a total dynamic weapon. Can score unassisted. Um, somewhat surprisingly, he wasn't without Chris Paul. He was kind of just a little bit better. His steal rate was actually way down, but more blocks and more assists. Uh, and then as he gets older, he's going to be even more dominant. Uh, again, Chris Paul, if he had missed more time, you would have assumed they would have kind of groomed Shea more into that role because he can do it. And we saw him do it without Lubel on the floor back in the Clippers days. So, yeah, all about Shea, you know, all day, third round, really. Um, you know, if you go, like, so say you do go wing-wing or uh, wing-big and you need a guard, and I'd probably still take John Moran if I'm in that position, but you definitely, I mean, Shea shouldn't go past the fourth, and I got I took some heat for saying he was top 30, and he proved it, that he was worth it. Didn't really get hurt to that die issue, so, yeah, um, definitely all about Shea once again. Uh, he's got some Dante DiVincenzo love on here. Uh, again, I looked up his stats. Um, he was 
Uh, well, Jonas has him as eighth round value, 85th over 23 minutes a game, uh, per 36, 14, 7, and 4, 2.1 steals. That's really what the key is. Um, that's really the whole bread and butter of Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, seventh in steal rating. And, yeah, it's all about the Buck system. Again, they play fast, fastest team in the league. Uh, in February, when he was kind of humming, 29% of his points scored in fast break. Uh, 75% of his passes, I'm sorry, 75% of his steals were off bad passes. That, again, is very product-dependent uh, of the system of playing so, so fast. So, again, if anybody goes down, we said this all season, if somebody goes down, like Dante is like the guy to grab regardless of who gets hurt. If it's Brooke or whoever, Giannis, obviously, you're going to run to grab him. Uh, in shallower leagues, I mean, he was on pretty much everywhere and all mine by me a lot. But, um, yeah, so definitely into him. Uh, and then, obviously, Jonas has to get some Dante Mountain love in there. Uh, 55th and 9-cat uh, from December 1st to January 27th. Fade a little bit. I'm kind of not into Melton, but that's for a reason that we haven't seen yet, and that's Justice Winslow. We know the Grizzlies overpaid to get him on their roster, and they, why did they, I mean, they did it for a reason, right? So he's going to take minutes from somebody. I assume Dylan Brooks and Melton would be a combo of that. Um, don't know if Melton's going to return. Maybe somebody picks him up. Um, you know, a lot of talk of maybe Hawks even getting Melton, which would be, oh, man. Um, that There would just be too much love on, on the Hawks if they land him. But do you think that, I mean, he proved himself to be valuable on that team, so he'll probably be back. But I'm definitely into him. Um, if he can land in a good spot, he's obviously phenomenal per minute. Uh, had a good start to his rookie season, but kind of faded away because it was all opportunity. The Suns were playing him early in the season when they needed to. Booker hurt a little bit, but you know, kind of faded a little bit. And speaking of the Suns, another guy who everyone knows is not really underrated um, is Mikel Bridges. Just absurdly good over his last 20 games. He was 30th and 9 cap per game. Um, yeah, just again... Pretty much like Shea, you know, without the little scoring punch, but with more steals. So steals and blocks are... If you're 1.7 steals and 1.0 blocks on good shooting, you're already way worth owning. You're already like mid-rounder. So, yeah, I'm into it. I think they're going to play him more at the 4 and the 3. He's obviously proved that he's worth it there. The Suns played pretty well in that small ball, small 3, small 4 lineup with Rubio and Booker in the backcourt. I mean, they're going to play that lineup a little bit more. Um, yeah, so definitely into it. They're, you know, Kraminsky's not really going to play a lot of four. Dario's going to probably be gone next year. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to be. I draft, like, I've probably done, what, four or five mocks. I think I've got Bridges and Cam and, like, all of them. Um, and, again, that brings me up to, like, point guards, man. <laughs> it's so hard to get them. Like, besides really DeJounte and Fred Van Vliet, like, I feel like if I don't get those two guys – and I don't go point guard early, I'm kind of screwed. So uh, just something to kind of think about for that. Uh, yeah, so that mostly covers it. I haven't done a solo pod in forever. Uh, I don't even know what else to say. But, yeah, check out the deep dives. I talked about most of the stuff kind of on the pods all the way through. But I guess to, to sum it up, uh, like I said, I'm drafting Trey. He's pretty close to fifth. Um, I mean, I could make the case of him over Jokic, especially if you're going to draft and you're going to assume Jokic is bad to start the year. Maybe you can draft Trey and then get Jokic for like a, your second round pick and then your fourth round pick if he's playing well or fifth or whatever it is. Because we know Jokic, really, especially this season, he was not good. Uh, and then he turned to, to, I believe, the number one player after Christmas or number two with John Collins. It was like neck and neck. But um, yeah, so definitely all about him. 
Um, mentioned with Ryan, a little bit concerned about John Collins with the Capella factor. Check out that pod. Not going to repeat everything. And yeah, Luca. So I think Luca could definitely get better because late in the season, while he was kind of injured, he was driving a ridiculous amount. Like per 36, he was driving the most in the league. He was still pretty good. Early in the season, when he was hot, he was like 62 off drives, which is ridiculously good field goal percentage. Um, and it dropped to like 52 on the second half of his season. So maybe a little bit of health, uh, health issue. Certainly got more defensive attention, I feel like. So that's kind of why I don't think 62% on drives is sustainable. But just drives are valuable plays, man. It's it's really one of the best ways besides just like made shots. Just going to the basket and dishing out, especially when the, that offense, they are number two in three points, uh, three point attempts per game, three point makes as well. So, yeah, it's just a great system. If you can play a little bit more in the playing time department, he'll be number one in touch time, number one in drives, probably number one in assists, actually. I still think he'll score 30 a game. The steals are actually way better with KP, which I checked out, by the way. So if you remember, KP in January to when the season ended, KP was like first-rounder, and Luka wasn't playing well, right? He was, you know, mid-rounder. Um you know, 100-ish over his last, you know, 15, whatever it was. So I looked at, did KP hurt him earlier? Did he hurt him later? Turns out neither. Uh, Way more efficient, both when he was kind of quote-unquote bad and when he was quote-unquote good. Um, You know, better steal rate, similar assist rate. Everything was just checked out. So basically, Chris Porzingis was not why Lucas slowed down. And you love to see that because if it was like that, then you'd be a little bit worried, like, for instance, I mentioned Paul George, which is why I kind of faded him a little bit this year. Paul George without Westbrook was not good. Paul George with Westbrook last year was amazing. So um, we kind of saw that. And it was interesting because Paul George was great without Kawhi this year. And he was a disaster without him on off splits. So, yeah, it's just weird how that worked out. And, yeah, uh, Westbrook too. Like I, I still would probably take Luka over Westbrook. But um, it's pretty close because Westbrook really came on. And, yeah, again, the Rockets issue. We don't know what's going to happen with them. But it's pretty cool. All right, so just going to do a quick one today. Um, Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do for deep dives. I'm going to pretty much write that up today and tomorrow for Monday. Um, Pretty much trying to do guys who are – right now I'm doing, like, higher picks. I wanted to do Wall because, you know, we don't really know much about him right now. So I looked into that. So I'll probably do like your Bams, your Jaron Jacksons. I definitely want to do John Morant, but the problem with them is if they get a playoff series, I'd like to get that information too. And also, I mean, we may get some basketball, right? Uh, we saw that, you know, 70 game regular seasons possible. A little bit of a warm up before the playoffs start. So things are starting to look up there. Possibly July 15th, late June training camp. So these are all really good things. Um, and yeah, it's nice to get actually get basketball back. Uh, I, I can't wait and miss it. Uh, I definitely miss breaking down games and watching and tweeting about it and all the stuff that basically has become my life. So um, it's coming around, you know. I don't think I don't think that fans are going to be a big issue. Obviously for like home court advantage, but as far as like an entertainment from us TV watching people, I don't really care. I watched a little soccer and it didn't. I didn't. It was like, oh man, I missed the crowd, you know. So. All right, so we're out of here on that. You guys enjoy your weekend, and we'll catch you on Wednesday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. 
the longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.